Good evening, brethren. Welcome again to Life Class in the month of May. Hallelujah. God is in the house. It's the first Life Class in the new month of May, and I'm so elated to have you joining me tonight. It's a month, a month of divine provision. And God is going to be bringing provision into our lives like never before. He's going to supply for every one of our needs according to his riches in glory. Not according to the needs, but according to his riches. Woo! It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm so, so expectant for what God is going to do in our lives, through our lives, and in this great house. You will testify shortly of the goodness of God. It's going to be a great teaching tonight. Make sure you stay tuned. Don't just spectate. Make sure you participate. Part of the reason I'm so excited about the teachings and the life class in the month of May is that we're going to get very practical in the month of May. We want to make sure that we're empowering you to prosper as God intends for you to prosper. So we're going to be dealing with nuts and bolts that connect with your dreams, your visions, your prosperity. It's going to get very, very practical. For example, next week, Wednesday, the life class, we're going to have a subject matter expert come in and have a conversation with me on the subject of money matters, making the most of your money, how to save, how to multiply your finances. The whole month of May life classes is going to be about financial intelligence. The following Wednesday, we're going to be talking about how to land your dream job. How to land your dream job. You don't miss that. Again, we'll have a subject matter expert come in and talk to us and give us the wisdom we need to do that. And in the final Wednesday, in the month of May, we're going to be dealing with how to get your first house. How to get your feet on the mortgage ladder, how to move from just being someone that rents accommodation to an owner of accommodation for the the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the silver and gold are his. He wants us to possess all these things. It's going to be practical. It's going to be impactful. It's going to be empowering. And you want to tell all of your friends, all of your neighbors, everybody you know to join in the life classes this month because it's going to just be so, so informative um, for them. We've invested a lot in it and we trust that it's going to bring a great blessing into your lives. Amen and amen. This evening, I'm laying a strong foundation of teaching on financial intelligence and you want to pay close attention to this each teaching you want to get all the information you can get out of this teaching the 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 the, the quality of the foundation determines the height of the building so pay attention i'm laying a very deliberate foundation today to set us up to springboard us for greater heights in the weeks ahead God bless you real good. Have you invited somebody? Are you sharing the feed? If you haven't done so yet, make sure you do so right now. Get people to join in because they are about to be blessed and liberated like never before. The text I'm going to use this Wednesday evening to commence my teaching is from the book of 2 Kings and chapter 4. 2 Kings and chapter 4 from verse 1. It says, 
Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thine servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thy handmaid have, have not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Verse 7, and then she came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay thy debt and leave, live thou and thy children of the rest. This is such a powerful portion of scripture. So much truth, powerful truth there. This woman is in debt that was passed down to her by her, her, her husband. And uh, the, the prophet says, what do you have in the house? And initially she says, I have nothing. But then she remembers and says, but a jar of oil. Somebody out there tonight is feeling like I have nothing. But I want to let you know that you have something. And what you have, God can use to liberate you, to deliver you in the mighty name of Jesus. But my focus is not so much on what the widow did and how she was delivered. My focus is on the earlier part of the scripture. The earlier part of the scripture tells us that this woman's husband was a son of the prophet. In other words, he was a prophet in training. Yet, he died and he left a debt to his family, to his wife, to his sons. He left debt. And now the scripture lets us know that a good man lives an inheritance for his children's children. But instead of this son of the prophet being able to leave an inheritance for his children and his children's children, he left debt for them. A crippling debt that put the son's future at risk. And this is a challenge because he was a good man, but instead of an inheritance, he left debt. It is possible to be morally upright, yet financially broke. It is possible to be morally upright and yet financially broke. This prophet, this son of the prophet, supposed to be able to see into the future, potentially to be able to even make right investments, but he had not been able to do that, which makes it obvious that spiritual wisdom does not always translate to financial intelligence. Spiritual wisdom does not always translate to financial intelligence. The prophet might have been excellent in spiritual matters, but he was obviously not excellent when it came to financial management. Moral exactitude can, uh, can, does not necessarily mean that you will not be poor. Religious knowledge does not mean that you'll be able to see your way forward financially. So we need financial intelligence. We might have spiritual intelligence already, but you and I need financial intelligence. 
In all thy getting, you've got to get understanding. And the understanding that you particularly need in the context of my teaching tonight is financial intelligence. Financial intelligence actually should be a compulsory course in our schools and also in the church house. Because a lot of our traditional schooling and educational systems does, do not necessarily teach us financial intelligence. Uh, they, they teach us how to get a job. They don't necessarily teach us how to prosper financially. And so the subject of my meditation, this first life class, I'm laying foundations of financial intelligence in our life, but the subject of my meditation is financial intelligence for the believer. Financial intelligence for the believer. Your life is not going to remain the same again by the time we're done with this teaching. Let's pray. Mighty Father, I ask that you empower me. I ask that your hand be mighty upon me. I ask that you grant me great utterance. I ask that you cause me to speak a word in season into the lives of your children indeed. I ask that you help me to, 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 to download the necessary wisdom that they need to be financially intelligent in the name of Jesus. Lord, let yokes of poverty be destroyed in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, we're dealing with financial intelligence for the believer. Another text that comes to mind that really, really um, helps in this matter and that speaks to this matter, I talked about a few weeks ago when we were dealing with irresistible wisdom. And the text is in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 13 to verse 18, it talks about a wise poor man who by his wisdom delivered a city that had been besieged. Yet after delivering the city that was besieged, he was forgotten. The poor wise man's wisdom was despised. This poor wise man delivered the besieged city, yet he was forgotten. Even when he's described as a poor wise man, this is already an oxymoron. How can he be both a wise man and poor. It's an oxymoron. It's a contradiction. How can he be both wise and poor at the same time? Is not wisdom profitable to direct? Does not wisdom lead us to profit? How therefore can this man be both wise and poor? How can we, you and I, be, be both wise and poor at the same time, this man's wisdom delivered the city, but he did not have the wisdom to be remembered. So that starts to cause us to see that having wisdom in one area doesn't necessarily um, mean that you have wisdom in another area. You might have spiritual wisdom, but yet not have financial wisdom. Obviously, this man lacked financial intelligence. That's why even though he was wise, he still remained poor. Uh, and one of the, the, the aspects of financial intelligence, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it's good for me to drop it right here, is the wisdom of leverage. The wisdom of leverage. Leverage is learning how to use what you have to get what you don't have that you need. 
Now, this man was actually in an advantageous position where he had the wisdom to deliver the city, but because he lacked the wisdom of leverage, which is financial intelligence, he didn't live, he couldn't leverage his wisdom to deliver the city as, a, as wisdom to get himself rich or to bring himself out of poverty. David had the wisdom of leverage. Remember that when he confronted, was about to confront Goliath, he asked, what shall be done to the man that defeats this uncircumcised Philistine? The wisdom of leverage. May God give you, may God give us the wisdom of leverage, where we know how to leverage what God has already given us and use it to get what we need. In fact, a lot of the time, God is always going to first of all ask, what have I given you? What do you have? Just like the prophet asked that woman in our pilot text, that what do you have in your house? And she said, nothing but a jar of oil. And then he was able to leverage what she had to bring her into prosperity, into financial liberty. We need financial intelligence. And that's the foundation I'm laying today. Hallelujah. We're going to get really practical in a few moments. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. If you haven't invited anybody yet, get them to come in now because it's line upon line. It's precept upon precept and we're going somewhere. As believers, we have a whole lot of wrong ideas uh, and perception and stance about money. We need our minds to be renewed when it comes to talking about money. The truth be told, a lot of the time, once the word money is mentioned in the church setting, everybody's defenses go up, everybody's uncomfortable. It's almost like money must not be spoken about in the house of God. Well, that devil is a liar. We need to talk about money. We need financial intelligence. And when we are talking about money in this house, it's not about how to get money out of your hand. It's how to get money into your hands. It's about empowering you, enabling you to prosper because enough is not enough until it is more than enough. Did you get that? Enough is not enough until it is more than enough. A lot of people uh, are always uh, are lording contentment, but the way they lord contentment, which is a good thing, they lord it as confinement. No, no, no. Even though I'm content, I must not be confined. I want God to bless me with more than enough so that I'm able to bless other people. My heart has been broken in recent days and recent weeks where uh, I've had close friends go through tough times, go through bereavement. And, and I, I want to be able to do more than just share words of condolence. I want to be able to put my hand in my pocket and bring out reasonable amounts of finance to support them in their trying time. So we need to be financially intelligent. We need to be able to get ourselves into a position where we are able to help those that really do need help. We erroneously, some of the wrong ideas we have about money comes from our erroneous quoting of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, where it's, it, it, we, we read it as if it said that money is the root of all evil. It never said that money is the root of all evil. It said that the love of money is the root of all evil. That's what it said. It didn't say that money is the root of all evil. It said the love of money is the root of of all evil. To love money is to have a wrong relationship 
with money, where you start to see money as the be-all of everything, as this is the ultimate, to just have loads and loads of money. And that's, that's a problem when your whole objective in life is all about, let me just get me loads and loads of money. But the love of money is not on, the only wrong relationship that you can have with money. You can also have a fear of money where you are afraid of money. And a lot of religious people have a fear of money because somehow they, they, they seem to see money as inherently evil. So they feel like, no, 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 we've got to stay clear of money. We've got to limit money because it's going to corrupt you. It's going to make you evil. Well, let me quickly let you know something. <laughs> money is not evil and it's not good. Money is neutral. Money simply takes takes the nature of, of whoever has it. M money in a good, good man's hand is good money. Money in a bad, man hand, uh, ma bad man's hand is bad money. We need to deal with both a love of money and a fear of money. We, we also take scriptures like, for example, in Luke chapter 16, from verse 8 to 13, it talks about steward, stewardship and faithfulness, and then ends by talking about um, pitting God against mammon or mammon against God, saying you cannot serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other or vice versa, but you can't serve the two. And it talks about God and money, which which is, suggests that in the last days, one of the big contender, contenders for God in our hearts and in our lives is going to be the love of money. So because of, of that understanding, when we don't teach it in the right balance, we become afraid of money i've got to stay clear of money because it's it could it could replace god in my heart in the book of second timothy chapter 3 when it was describing the last and perilous days it says in the in, in that portion of scripture that in the last days men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money so once again we see that categorization and it can create cause us to be afraid of money but i want to get it, i want you to get it clear and not twisted tonight it is not money that it is evil it is the love of money is when you have a wrong relationship with money in fact let me put it this way god has no problem with you having money what he has a problem with is with money having you in fact can i take it a step further and let me let you know that god wants you to have money he just doesn't want money to have you so we've got to get financial intelligence we've got to learn how money works we need this we need to be good stewards of money uh, as god brings it our way or as we're able to maximize it money is a bad master but it's an efficient tool money is a bad master but it's an efficient tool we've got to learn how to master money and not let money money master us We've got to learn how to use money as a tool in service of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm believing God that God will, will lift us in our financial intelligence, that he will raise us up to the place where we become 
um, um, serious financial stalwarts able to finance the kingdom of God. The book of Zechariah says that the cities of our God shall be spread abroad by prosperity. We need finance to be able to do the things we, we, we do, to be able to go beyond the borders. Satan and the world have worked overtime to get us to have a wrong uh, association with money and uh, to get us to distance ourselves with from learning what we need to learn to prosper. But we've got to reverse that. We've got to learn how to prosper. We've got to learn how to master our money. So now I'm going to start getting very practical. I'm going to talk to you about some, some key things this evening. And I trust God is going to be a blessing to you. And it's really, really going to help you. We're going to deal with money basics. Um, don't miss next week Wednesday. Do not miss next week Wednesday. Because next week Wednesday, we're really going to get even more practical than I'm going tonight. We're going to deal with how to save, how to uh, invest, how to multiply, how to get control of your expenditure, how to increase your income. I mean, all sorts of things about money we will deal with next week Wednesday. And all the questions you have about your money you bring them into next week wednesday because it's going to be a great interactive session as i have one guest in and we just talk about money matters but i'm going to lay some foundation today by trying to answer first of all the question what is money what is money now earlier on back in the day there was no such thing as money but yet men still needed to make exchanges of things between themselves so money actually evolved out of barter 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 is when i i take what i have and i give it to you in exchange for what you have that i want so for example the 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 chicken farmer um, wants himself some goat meat from the goat um, farmer um, or, or, or um, owner and he now exchanges uh, three crates of eggs for one um, one thigh of, of goat yeah so that's butter we exchange now that's how a lot of things were done exchange I give you this you give me that now the challenge with barter is that barter necessitated the coincidence of need in other words you had to need what i had as well as me needing what you have for there to be an effective exchange so for example if you didn't need what i have to give you to get what you have that i want no exchange can take place so this was the challenge with barter and so it got pretty complex where possibly I had to do three, four other trades to be able to get what you need for me to be able to get what you have that I want. So barter was, became a complicated thing. And this led to the evolution or the development of money where we now had what you call commodity money where things like shells and other things were used in replacement for that actual barter exchange um, so we move from barter from from barter to commodity money where what we are using as money is a commodity in itself a, a shell or whatever it is then we move from commodity money to what is called representative money 
where, in fact, the truth be told, uh, 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 a, a lot of our currencies, to, currencies today started as representative money because in times past, that money had to be backed up by actual physical wealth that was in the banks. And that's where you have the statement, the gold standard. So a lot of the physical paper money that was being exchanged was being backed up by gold that was in the bank. So I could give you this paper representative of 10 bars of gold that I have in the bank. And so that's how we transacted. But that was very limiting because gold in itself was a limited resource and therefore it didn't allow for there to be much economic growth because simply there wasn't enough to back up the representative money. This is when we progress from representative money to what is called inconvertible fiat. All of our currencies largely are inconvertible fiat. What does that mean? It doesn't necessarily need the backing of gold or some other precious item in the bank. It is an agreed legal tender empowered by the government of the nation as what we use to transact business. Yeah, it's a, it's a spiritual economics class tonight. <laughs> Stay with me. These are things we need to understand if we are going to be financially intelligent and if we're going to be, take over these worlds, these kingdoms of the world to become the kingdoms of our Lord and our King. Another way to track the development or the evolution of money is from barter to commodity money, to metal money, to cash. Then we moved from cash money to a cashless society where we are able to make all sorts of transactions without actual physical exchange of physical cash anymore, electronic money, if you like. And right now, we are, we are moving fast towards what is called cryptocurrency which is another form of money. And so money continues to evolve. Now, if money has changed over time and continues to change and continues to evolve, the question still is there. What is money? What is money? It seems to be changing its color all the time. What really is money? I'm going to hopefully give you some insight into what money is. If you get this definition right, it will start to liberate you. It will really start to liberate you. Number one, money is a medium of exchange when it is being used for the purpose of buying and selling goods or services. So money is a medium of exchange. One, two, money is a store of value. Money is a store of value when you get it today and are still able to use it later. So the money I have in hand now whoo, is a store of value value that I might choose to use tomorrow or even further into the future. Money is a standard of value when you are using it to measure how much a good or service is worth, a standard of value. So if I choose to say that this uh, Bible is worth this amount, that, that becomes its value, that, okay, I'm willing to part with, did you hear me? I'm willing to part with this amount of money for this, yeah? So it's a, it's a standard of value. It's how we, how we measure value. It's a store of value. It's a standard of value. It's a medium of exchange. So if I'm to try to summarize that, 
Money is a medium of exchange and a measure of value. Money is a medium of exchange and a measure of value. So it's not about whether it is dollar, pound, yen, naira, or whatever currency the country might call it. It is that money in itself is a medium of exchange and a measure of value. It's a measure of value. So money has little intrinsic value on its own or by itself. It's a measure of the value of something else. The truth be told, even if I had a held up a 20 um, pound note, let me see what I have one here. A 20 pound note. If I held up a 20 pound note, the real value of this 20 pound note is not 20 pounds. If I was to go and calculate how much the paper that was used to make this note cost, yeah, the real physical value of this piece of paper it is not worth 20 pounds it's probably a few p by the time you do the calculations of what this the actual value is but as a legal tender it has been agreed by the government and by the nation that this is 20 pounds so money in itself does not have intrinsic value as much as it's it's the measure of the value of something else i, I hope that's starting to make some sense um, to you money is really about value money is really about value and the perception of value money is really about value and the perception of value let that sink money is really about value and the perception of value so i'm wearing a t-shirt today and there are many t-shirts this is a this is a hugo boss t-shirt and you go to the shop and you see a t-shirt that has uh, the hugo boss label on it or the ralph lauren label label on it and you see another t-shirt that has absolutely no label of it it's nameless and you find out that the one with the label is four times more expensive than the one without a label and people are willing to spend a higher sum of money for this one that has a particular brand on it and they will haggle for uh on another t-shirt that has no brand on it and be um, be talking about how uh, 10 pounds is too much to spend on that t-shirt meanwhile they are willing to spend 70 pounds on a branded t-shirt what's at play here the perception of value it's not about the intrinsic value of the t-shirts it's about the perception of what what value it really has what value does this have as opposed to this so money is not really about money money is about value and the perception of value so listen the real driver behind money is value the real driver behind money is man value regardless of what form money takes what determines the exchange is the value or the perception of value. If you understand this, then you start to understand that it is a misnomer to be chasing money. 
because money is chasing something else. Money goes after value. The greater the value, the more money people are willing to give up for it. The greater the value, the more money people are willing to give up for that thing. So instead of chasing money, what we are meant to be chasing is value. Chase value. Stop chasing money. Stop being a paper chaser. Rather, chase value. If you chase value, money will chase you because money always follows value. Money always follows value. The reason that somebody is paid this amount and another person is paid that amount is because of the perception of value. How they see that person, but also how that person sees himself. Woo! Hallelujah! Your value. Now listen to this. You are extremely valuable to God. You are so valuable to God that God was willing to give his very best, his only begotten son just for you. That tells you about your value. Stop looking down upon yourself. You are of great value in the eyes of God. But now you have to mine that value. (laughs) You've got to work that value. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You know, sometimes you go to a construction site where, where they're building stuff and you see, see people doing some hard labor, lifting bricks, doing all of those kind of things. And you would assume that the person that is doing the harder labor is the person that's going to get um, the, the, the highest pay. But not so. The person that's probably getting the highest pay in that place is the, is the architect or the people that are planning the whole place that are doing no hard labor. They're doing a whole lot of mental labor and, and yet they get paid more because of the perception and the real value that they bring to the table. It's the reason you go to school. Because you know that you go to school, you learn this, you learn that, you have this qualification, you have that qualification. It has increased your value and the perception of your value. And therefore, people are willing to part with more money for your services. Okay, let's get deeper. As if we weren't deep enough already. (laughs) There are four economic levels in the world. Number one is the aid-dependent level. This is a condition of extreme poverty that is dependent on charity. If you are at the aid-dependent level, that means you can't do anything unless charities help you out. This is the aid-dependent level and it's extreme poverty. There are countries that are in extreme poverty and cannot do even the least of things without um, charities coming in to help. Number two, you have state-dependent level of economy. This is a condition of what is called developed property. Um, Developed poverty, rather. Developed poverty that's dependent upon the government. We have a whole lot of that here in the United Kingdom, where a lot of people are... Uh, dependent on welfare, dependent on benefits. That's a state uh, uh, dependent uh, poverty economy, if you like. It's dependent upon what the government gives out 
to people that are in, in, in need. And I'm not dis disparaging any of people that are in those kind of situations. I'm just stating it as it is. So they're dependent on what the government gives to keep them alive, to keep them surviving. So it is developed poverty, but it is still poverty. Number three level is the job dependent. This is a condition that some people will not re refer to as poverty. We'll say that it is tightrope living dependent on debt. It's dependent on debt, job dependent um, level of economy. The, that person is dependent on what the job is going to pay them to be able to subsist and sustain. Now, it's an interesting level. I'm going to come back and talk about that level. But the challenge with that level is that it is just skating on thin ice. Um, just some challenges can easily tip it right back down into um, government-dependent or state-dependent poverty. And if you are not careful, it slides all the way back down to extreme poverty where it needs charity to be able to stay alive. The fourth level of economy is the independent level of economy. This is the condition of freedom that is dependent on trade where the, 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 the economy is being, the individual economy is now governed by the thriving business entrepreneurship or trade that the person is engaged within and therefore gives that person liberty. is not dependent on what the, what the job is given, is not dependent upon what the government is given and it's definitely not dependent on what charities are given. Now all of these levels are uh, are legitimate levels of economy. Now, what we need is we need to desire to be and work and get the financial intelligence to be at the independent level. It's also like what Robert Kiyosaki teaches in Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and um, the, the cash flow quadrants also, where you are not you're, you're, you're moving away from being employed al alone. You must, you, you, you probably need to start there, but to the place where you are a business owner and from even from beyond that, where you become an investor. Now, the mass miseducation of the people has often put the acquisition of a job as the pinnacle goal, how to get a job. But uh, and this 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 feeds the job dependent level of economy. And the truth is, we need people doing jobs <laughs> for the society to work. There have to be people doing various jobs. And so I'm not saying that jobs are wrong. I'm just saying that the the ultimate aspiration should, must be to go beyond just having a job to the level where you are independent, where you have businesses running or you have investments running that are sustaining you. Now, the interesting thing in our economy and in our society is that what a job does for you is that a job qualifies you for credit. A job qualifies you for credit. So the banks, the government are willing to loan you money, are willing to give you credit simply because you have a job. Now the challenge with that is that if you are not wise on how you manage that credit, that, that, that credit that they've given you actually ends up becoming a, a hole that you end up digging for yourself where you are now tied to your job 
and tied to just subsisting that way. It's interesting, you know, you know, where I hail from quite a number of years back now, uh, we didn't understand credit. You couldn't get anything if you weren't ready and if you didn't have the resources by which to pay for it and, and buy it yourself. So if you saw somebody driving a car, he paid in full for the car. If you saw somebody living in his own house, he paid in full for that house. You know, that was the, that was the society that we lived in. But it was here in the United Kingdom that I found out that you could have many things that you haven't fully paid for simply because you have credit. In fact, it is so much written into the very fabric of this society that you couldn't even qualify for certain things unless your credit rating is, is checked. And what's your credit rating? Your credit rating is an estimation of how you handle debt. How you handle money that is loaned you. Are you able to take the money? Are you able to return the money in a timely fashion? That's what the, typically simplifying it is used to as, assess your credit worthiness. Now, if we don't gain financial intelligence, even as regards the systems in this country, it becomes a trap for us instead of a liberation for us. But if you have financial intelligence, you will learn how to use even that to end up becoming your liberation. And that's what we hope to deliver to you even in this month's of teaching hallelujah so uh, the robert kiyosaki model is that you're moving from employee to self-employed to business owner and to investor we need to move all the way to that level it doesn't happen at one go in one moment that's another key thing we need to develop the virtue of patience particularly being able to develop yourself financially it's not a hundred meters dash it's a marathon, so there's, there's, there's need for patience of deliberately, line upon line, precept upon precept, building yourself up financially. All right, now let me come back a little bit and talk more about money. So uh, money follows value, increase your value and money will follow you. Now that's the very basic way for you to attract money to yourself. But how else can you get money? Well, people can give you money. That's one way you can get money, and that is people give you money, and that's favor, where people just give you money. Another thing you could do to get money is you could sell the things you have. You could find what you have and sell it, and by reason of sales, you make money. But if you're not producing, and you're only selling what you have, at some point in time, you would have run out of everything you have, and there'll be nothing left to sell. Number three level is that you can work for money. And that is where money is given, given to you in exchange for your labor or for your time. Remember the statement that time is money? It's not time that's money. It's what you are doing with your time. You are using your time to serve somebody else or serve an organization. And therefore, they give you money in exchange for your time. How valuable is your time? It's crazy. I think I, I, I stumbled on one of my mentors preaching some time ago and I've stumbled on other people that our, our minutes, our seconds, our hours are, have different values. There are some people that their one minute is hundreds and thousands of dollars while somebody else's one minute is, is, is meager. So you've got to increase your value, which increases the value of your time also, all right? Uh, and then the, the, the next level of, of, of um, how money can come to you is obviously when money is working for you, multiplying itself 
and coming back onto you. And that's the investment level of money. Now, another word that is used for money is currency. And the word currency, the root word for currency is current. That means it's moving. The truth be told, money is always on the move. Money is not stationary. Money is always on the move. The Word of God says that money makes, riches makes for itself wings and it flies towards the heaven. Again, the depiction is that it is on the move. Even the so-called millions in the banks around the world are, is not static. In fact, I dare say that the day that we're living in the right now, there is less of stacking physical money anywhere. It is now largely electronic. It's, it's, it's transactions, it's movement. It's not static. Money is on the move. Uh, and th 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 there is value changing every day. Transactions are constantly being made premised on the, the perception uh, of value. Okay? So, in fact, <laughs> I wish I had time to talk about banks. What is the banks? Bank, bank, what are banks doing? They are taking your money. They are not keeping your money. They are trading with your money. Because money is current. It's moving. They are making exchanges with your money. And they're paying you a meager interest if you've put it in the right kind of savings account. But they potentially are making much more over your money that is kept with them. Money is always in the move and it exists in economy. Economy is this constant exchange, a constant flow of, of value exchanges, so to say. So money is constantly moving in and out of economy, from one economy into another it is not static money is moving from one economy into another <laughs> I, I i wish you would, you would get this you will get this if you get this you really on that will liberate you on many on many many levels this is why certain industries a lot of time governments will work hard to make sure that the in industry does not collapse why because there's an economy attached to that whole industry that if it's allowed to collapse that means every entity every person that is dependent upon that industry will also be in jeopardy so a lot of the time the bailouts are to save the economy to save the economy because Economy does not exist in isolation either. <laughs> it's all connected together. So if this starts to go down too crazy, it's going to pull other things because there's no resource being generated by this that feeds into the other economy. So economies are dependent upon economy. So money is actually never static. It's always in motion. All right. It's always in motion. Even when you think, even when you're holding um, your twenty-pound note and you think it's static, it's not static. Guess what? Because every moment the value is fluctuating. Every moment the value is fluctuating. It might be small fluctuations, but it's fluctuating. What the twenty pounds can buy right now might not be exactly what the twenty pounds can buy tomorrow or next year or in three years' time because of many other economic forces that are at work. Even when somebody supposedly gives you free money, the truth be told, 
It's not free money. That money came out of an economy. It came out of a value exchange somewhere else. And that money will still flow from you into some other economy. So somebody gives you a free 500 pounds and then you have been dreaming about that, that particular dress and pair of shoes and whatever you wanted to, to buy. Gave you free money, but then that is not really free money. It's free to you, but not free to the person because that meant that person got that money from some form of a value exchange somewhere, somehow. Yeah? Okay. So it came out of an economy, came to you free, but it doesn't often just stay with you. Because you had this dream of the thing you wanted to get, what do you do? You now use it to go and get that thing you want to get. By doing that, what have you done? You've plugged the money back into an economy. People have been talking about the stimulus checks that were given out in, in, in America and the various ways the government of the United Kingdom um, has tried to support businesses and all of that. The whole idea is to keep the economy running. So free money is given, but the free money for the average human being does not stay with that human being. What does he do with it? He plugs it back into one economy or the other. So the economy keeps on rolling. It will flow from you to some other economy, some form of value exchange elsewhere. So nothing is really free. This is the danger. The danger, therefore, is that if a, a, a portion of the economy or, or the society is overinflated, like happened in the housing crisis a number of years ago, and people are seemingly getting huge sums of money, for a perception of value that's not real value and then the bubble busts the rest of the world the rest of the other economies have to make up the equilibrium of what has now bust so before you know it other economies other sectors are being pulled into this um, quicksand or whirlpool that was created by overestimation and perception of value. So you see how the whole world system is so connected together and it pulls in, in so many directions. It might be free to you, but it was paid for by someone else. And sometimes what they give you for free, they ob by giving it to you for free, they obligate you because you then owe them morally. So <laughs> if you understand all of these things, it still comes back to the point I was making earlier that the key thing that is necessary in this time, in this season, for financial intelligence and also to be able to prosper in this time is actually retention and increase of value. Retention and increase of value. If you, because money whatever type of money it is, is going to flow in the direction of value. If you increase your value, you won't need to chase money. Money will chase you. Hallelujah. So some questions to think about when you were thinking about value. You have to ask yourself, what is your own value proposition? What are you offering as, a, as value that people are willing to give in exchange for your value. Number two, what is your value? Not just what is your value, what is the perception of your value? Because sometimes you can have a knowledge of your value, 
but then you have to work on building a right perception of that value which is what a lot of people do when they are building their brand what they are trying to build is a perception of their value to correlate with what they believe their value is how are you increasing your value what are you studying what books are you reading what courses are you going through to increase your value and the perception of your value another thought how are you protecting the perception of your value it's one thing to have people to have a good perception of your value they, but it's, you also have to protect that perception of your value i know people that had great value but they didn't protect the perception of their value and before you knew it a, a scandal broke and that scandal totally destroyed them there have been charities uh, i won't mention um, certain names now but there have been charities that had so much support from the world because of the perception of their integrity the perception of their value so people supported those charities with thousands and millions of, of, of dollars and pounds but when the perception was greatly damaged by historic atrocities boom the stream dried up so you've got to learn how to protect the perception of your value and then you've got to ask yourself another question what is of value to you because where your heart is that's where your treasure is going to go where your treasure is that's where your heart will be they go hand in hand so what's valuable to you what's valuable to you you'll find out that that's where more often than not that's where your money is going to flow hallelujah god has no problem with us having money what he has a problem with is money having us. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, he says, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that giveth you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which is what to your fathers as it is today. So God doesn't give us money. God gives us the power to get money. God doesn't give us the wealth. He gives us the power to get the wealth hallelujah but it's important for you to realize that the wealth he gives us he gives us it's money on a mission it's it's for covenant purposes he says that the reason he's given us power to get wealth is that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers what's this covenant we read this covenant in genesis chapter 12 1 to 3 the covenant between um to abraham and that covenant was that finally through abraham all the families of the earth will be blessed so god gives us the power to get wealth so that we can be a blessing unto all the families of the earth blessed be god he's a good god hallelujah I'm going to close uh, close out tonight by that just quickly dealing with an important area that uh, that we need to to get right. Somebody is probably already wondering with all that I've said tonight that wow this has been so much um, um, economics and financial teaching and everything and it's important knowledge that we need even in the church house. Money is essential also for the function of the church. We have great visions, we have great dreams, great things we want to achieve to be able to reach so much, so many more people to change our world. But it's going to take finance to be able to achieve that. 
However, there are many wrong teachings about finance and money, even in the body of Christ. One wrong teaching is the teaching that gives you the impression that by simply giving your money, automatically that will just make sure that you are financially blessed. You know, just by giving your money to church, boom, miraculously, somehow you're just going to be financially blessed. That's not how it works. If we are not taught properly like I am teaching you tonight, we will have wrong expectations and our expectations will be in the wrong place. God does not bless men and women with dollars, pounds or yen. Those things don't come from heaven. If they came from heaven directly, it would be counterfeit. Those currencies are minted inside various minting uh, secure facilities around the globe. God doesn't bless with that. And so if we give you the idea that simply by giving money in church, that somehow makes money appear in your bank account or appear in your fridge or your wardrobe at home, well, that devil is a liar. What does God bless with? Am I saying you shouldn't give money? Of course not. You should give money in support of the kingdom, in support of what God is doing. But your expectation must be rightly aligned to the right places. When you are expecting from God, what you are expecting is not cash. He gives the power to get wealth, not the wealth. What you are expecting from God is favor, is wisdom, is knowledge, is understanding, is the knowledge of witty invention, is divine direction to be able to prosper. And when we faithfully give towards the work of the Lord and we have now our expectation appropriately aligned, these things are delivered unto us and we will prosper. You will prosper in the mighty name of Jesus. God wants to bless you like never before. And right now, even in the place of prayer, I'm calling for kingdom financiers that God will bless you. He will empower you powerfully, financially, with financial wisdom, such that you'll be able to finance the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and our Christ. Hallelujah. God wants us financially free. It's going to come by financial intelligence. I could say much more. I think I've said too much already tonight, but it was to lay a sure and a strong foundation for even much more that's going to take place in the days and in the weeks ahead. We are about your empowerment. We are about your liberty. We are about you becoming everything that God wants you to be. We are about lifting you out of poverty into prosperity in the mighty name of Jesus. God wants to bless you. And if you're out there um, and you are not saved yet, the scripture says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Our gospel is not just about prosperity here on earth and all of those other things. No, it's really about eternal security and that only comes through salvation. So if you are ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, please repeat these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done and for the price that you have paid. Today, I repent of my sin and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart and I've made confession with my lips. 
Therefore, I am born again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If you prayed that prayer, you are indeed born again. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And we want to help you to grow in the Lord. So make sure you direct message us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email on the contact details that are on the screen right now. And we will get beside you to help you to grow in the Lord. Another way to engage with us actively is to get onto our website and follow any of the pathways there to really become part of this great community of God. Tonight, I'm going to have a brief session on Clubhouse. Immediately, the class is, is done from 8.30 p.m. You can join me on there. And let's talk a little bit more about this whole financial intelligence thing and how it relates to the kingdom of God. Don't you dare miss any of the other collaborative sessions for the rest of this month. They're going to empower you. They're going to equip you to be able to prosper. When men say there's a casting down, you will say that there is a lifting up in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We can't close without giving you an opportunity to give unto the Lord and to support what God is doing in this great house. I want to encourage you to give generously. The details on how you can give are being shown on the screen right now. Please utilize them. Choose the one that is most preferred by you. And let's give. Let's give to further that which God is doing in this great house. I pray blessings upon you, the opening of doors, the lifting up of your head in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen and amen. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday and also next week, Wednesday. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless the seed of your word soon. Cause it to bring forth much harvest in our lives in Jesus' mighty name. And we share the grace in fellowship. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely God's goodness and God's mercies shall follow you all the days of your life. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you.